Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. Evolution is more than a theory. It is a fundamental scientific principle. You know, there's a scientific term for that. It's called baloney. We are so stupid that we think that just because telephones and computers and cars are intelligently designed, that means we are too. Well, we're not. I don't trust that Richard Dawkins. In the beginning, God created heaven and the earth. Is the only logical explanation, unless you don't want to believe in science and logic. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Let's see if we can get... He gets us. This is Wretched Radio. The marketers, they are branding Jesus like a nobody's business. You've, of course, heard about and seen the commercials if you watch the Super Bowl for a bit of a secretive sort of affair called He Gets Us, Kirsten Powers. I think she's Catholic now. She was Presbyterian going to Tim Keller's church. Now I think she's a professing Roman Catholic. She tried to contact the folks at this one billion dollar enterprise called He Gets Us, and she couldn't get many answers. And she's saying, this is going to be a problem. Now, when you got somebody like Kirsten Powers saying it's going to be a problem, we might want to try to figure out what's going on with He Gets Us. Quote from Kirsten, when I asked He Gets Us representatives, what they meant by women's rights, all of the commercials, at least all of the commercials I've seen, they sure do feel like AOC should endorse them, not be crabby about them, because they feel about as liberal as anything I've ever seen. Very social justice and that is what Kirsten Powers discovered when I asked He Gets Us reps what they meant by women's rights. They pointed me to a link on their website, that lays out the various ways that Jesus was extraordinary for his time and the way he treated women. Well, that's true. But does that mean he was for what we know as women's rights today? And the answer is no, because women's rights today are nowhere near what Jesus was affirming in the dignity of women. Women's rights today wants to actually separate women from their gender And the cloudiness on this is causing even people like Kirsten Powers to say, what's going on there? A very, very, this is one of those instances when you witness somebody who's being critical and yet uplifting simultaneously, that ain't no easy skill. When it comes to the business of polemics, going after somebody's worldview or theology, To be able to do it in such a way that accomplishes what I think pretty much every conversation we have about Jesus should be aimed at. How do we make him look great? How do we talk about this subject so that we love him more? This particular article was written by one Natasha Crane from NatashaCrane.com. Seven problems with the He Gets Us campaign. She writes, the Jesus of this campaign is nothing more than an inspiring human who relates to our problems and cares a whole lot about culturally palatable version of social justice. She's smelling it, too. You can't help it. These ads, yeah, they they talked about Jesus at the very end and they say he gets us, which of course he does. But it sure feels like these could have been produced in Cuba in the 1960s. Or it could could have been produced in any one of the Ivy League schools where CRT and wokeness is being taught intensely to students. Number one reason that this is a problem, this campaign. The fact, please note, please note, 
if a group of people is actually preaching Jesus, we rejoice in that. If you recall, both Jesus and Paul made that plain. Even if they're preaching out of false motives, even if they are preaching the true gospel in a way that makes me like, well, you know, that. but the true gospel is there, then we rejoice. I don't care what their motives is. Jesus is being rightly proclaimed. And Jesus made that clear, too, with the disciples. Hey, that group isn't a part of us. He was after sectarianism. He wasn't just saying, it doesn't matter what anybody, as long as they talk about me, man, then it's fine. No, that's not what he was saying. He was saying, be careful that you don't find yourself in cliques. That's really what 1 Corinthians is all about too, isn't it? Well, I'm of this group. I'm of that group. Hey, if that group over there, they're actually preaching Jesus rightly, even though you might have some disagreements about secondary or tertiary issues, you still rejoice. Can we rejoice over he gets us? Problem number one, the fact that Jesus gets us is stripped from the context of his identity, making it meaningless. Wow, who is this Natasha Crane person? She nailed it. Because this particular campaign talks a lot about the radical love of Jesus. It's all about the radical love. When a spokesperson was contacted, because NBC, everybody's all over this thing. What's going on? What are you people doing? We got some questions. And this group, he gets us after being criticized by AOC, responded, hey, this is just all about the radical love of Jesus. It's radical. It's kooky. It's just a fascinating love. And we just, people have been mispainting Jesus wrongly for too long. Um, Who's he talking about exactly? When we need to show Jesus being a radical lover because he's loving the love, because he's lovable and loving, and he loves the loving. I think that was a song from the 60s. That's what this guy sounded like. But there's a problem with sort of true in stating the radical love of Jesus. What makes it radical? What makes it so exceptional? What makes it just mind-boggling that Jesus Christ dined with sinners? What makes it so astounding that he was born in, in a, underneath the whiff of scandal that he had to be on the lamb from people who wanted to kill? What makes this so amazing? It's that he's divine, that he's God in flesh, and he gets us, divorces Jesus' humanity from his divinity. And therefore, this radical love means not, it really is meaningless. If I, Jimmy, yes. I, uh, I know this guy, and he gave, uh, he stopped and he talked with somebody who was a poor person for four hours and brought him to a place where he could get him cleaned up and bought him a suit and tie. Took, took about eight hours out of his day. Okay. Pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. Pretty pretty nice. But if I told you, okay, this is going to fall apart because I'm trying to think of a high-profile person who's really good. <laughs> and I'm struggling. If, if it were somebody who was seemingly so removed from that, who stooped so low, you'd go, whoa, what? He did that for that person? Okay, the analogy was pathetic, but the point is, Aren't most illustrations? The point is, it is because Jesus is divine 
that it makes his stooping so amazing. Otherwise, we're 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 really not making sense by saying, "Oh, Jesus, love is amazing." Why? What makes it so amazing? Because he's God. When people or churches focus on the humanity of Jesus, an emphasis on the idea that he was just like us, it's to the exclusion of his divinity. But Jesus matters not primarily because he understands what it's like to be human, but because of who he is. It's only his identity as God himself that makes the fact that he gets us even relevant. Amen to that. That's problem number one. If Jesus isn't God as we present him to people, that his love isn't amazing, his kindness isn't spectacular. If if Jesus isn't portrayed as God, it doesn't matter that he understands what it's like to be human. Duh! Of course, every human understands what it's like to be human, but it's when it is human and divine. Whoa! Then it's amazing. Number two. Jesus is presented as an example, not as a savior. You can't help but notice this. Got to tell you, it's a lot, it's a lot like a typical evangelical sermon. Just making, hey, got to be like Jesus. Okay, that is most certainly true. But not divorced from him being our savior. There's nothing I've seen or read, writes Natasha, in the campaign that presents Jesus as God himself or a savior for humanity. That's true. Jimmy, you and I have both been to the website. Somebody yeah. <laughs> sent me a screen grab. They went to He Gets Us, and they typed in search engine for the word repent. Hmm. And it popped up and said, hey, sorry, we're not perfect. Uh, Jesus is, but we're not. We don't know nothing about that word. <laughs> hmm. But they know that he's loving and that he was living like a refugee. There's nothing I've seen or read that prevents, presents Jesus as God himself or as Savior. The questions asked and answered on the site include things like, was Jesus ever lonely? Was Jesus ever stressed? Did Jesus have fun? Did Jesus face criticism? Yeah, 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 and yeah, because he gets us. Whoop-de-doo. Would we be asking the question, did George Washington ever feel lonely? Was George Washington ever stressed? Do you go, yeah, of course he was, because he, he was a person. So it ain't no big thing that Jesus felt these emotions if he isn't divine. The campaign wants you to care about Jesus because he's a great moral example. Quote, no matter what we think of Christianity, most people can agree on one thing. During his lifetime, Jesus set a pretty good example of peace, and here it comes, love. <clears throat> Take two. Love. Eh, eh. Love. Thank you. <laughs> but there are more problems. I'm determined. Lo I'll just go up a little bit. Love. <laughs> we will explore those problems to see if we can get who gets us next on Wretched Radio. For your consideration, not one but two ways that you could strengthen the local global church, the Masters Academy International, training men in Los Angeles who then return to their home countries and open up mini seminaries to train pastors in their native land. That strengthens the local church. But there's another way you can do just that. We are partnering with the Masters Academy International to send Bibles to the Philippines, not just any Bible, 
MacArthur Study Bibles to believers in TMAI-trained churches. These efforts strengthen the local church. Would you please consider how many Bibles you might send, how many seminaries you might support overseas? To learn more, visit wretched.org pastor, or if you like the Bible sending idea, wretched.org Bible. There's a reason we talk so much about biblical counseling around here. It's because it works. Transformed, our biblical counseling series, hosted by Dr. Greg Gifford and Dale Johnson, is returning for season number two. As a matter of fact, it is on sale right now, and Transform Season 2 will demonstrate powerfully, I might add, that the Bible has solutions for our emotional problems. Doctors Johnson and Gifford don't merely teach biblical counseling, they show biblical counseling in action. In Season 2, you'll meet Christians that are struggling with the same things that likely you are. PTSD, anger issues, assurance, depression, discontentment, ADHD, abuse, anxiety, self-pity, and you'll see with your own eyes that the Bible is sufficient for all life, godliness, and emotional challenges. Transform Season 2. It's on sale right now at transformed.org. That's transformed.org. Cool, very cool. The Tomorrow Clubs now have 106 clubs in Romania. This year marks the celebration of the 25th anniversary of our ministry. But also, it is a very important milestone for Tomorrow Clubs Romania. Now, Tomorrow Clubs Romania has 106 clubs. That means 106 villages are hearing the gospel proclaimed to the kids who get saved. They bring the gospel home. Parents get saved and local churches get strengthened. Would you please consider supporting the Tomorrow Clubs? Not only do they have hundreds of clubs in Romania, Ukraine, Russia, Albania, all over Eastern Europe, and now in Africa. Would you please consider what might you do to bring the gospel to both Africa and to Eastern Europe? Tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Know your church fathers. Gregory of Nyssa was an opponent of Arianism at the Council of Constantinople in 381. He wrote a book called Not Three Gods, explaining that there is one God in three persons. Each member of the Trinity is fully God with all the divine attributes, yet each member of the Trinity is a distinct person. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Love is in the air and so is Seeker Sensitivity. Love is in the air. This is Love is in the air. Radio. I hit my post, baby. <laughs> Love. It's in the air, courtesy of a $1 billion ad campaign to make Jesus Christ the biggest brand in the world. And yet a lot of us... Oh, I know, we're curmudgeons, we're just being critical, and we should just be happy. Hold the phone, Henrietta. We're to test all things, and if somebody is preaching Jesus rightly, we rejoice, even if their ads aren't our particular cup of tea. So let us do what we are commanded to do and test all things. 
to see if we should be rejoicing that love is in the air, courtesy of the He Gets Us campaign. Two big Super Bowl ads aired. AOC, not happy. And frankly, not coherent. (laughs) I don't quite get her. Jesus wouldn't spend millions of dollars to promote fascism. I don't get it. But nevertheless, that was her conclusion. The folks from He Gets Us, they responded, informing AOC and the world, this ain't about hate. This is about love, Daddy-O. Our research, says the spokesperson for the ad campaign, shows that many people's only exposure to Jesus is through Christians who reflect him imperfectly. Uh Uh-oh, Jimmy. Apparently we're the problem. Yeah. And too often in ways that create a distorted or incomplete picture of his radical compassion and love for others. Hold on. If you're saying don't be critical of these folks, this entire campaign is a response to their criticism of folks who present Jesus as being the way, the truth, the life as being fully God, who is the righteous judge of all the world, who nevertheless died for sinners that we might be set free. So if you think, hey, let's not dive into this too deeply here and be critical, their entire campaign appears to be driven by their belief that many of us have already misrepresented Jesus. Second, did you hear what this spokesperson is saying? People have an incomplete picture of the radical compassion and love Jesus has for others. Unfortunately, the He Gets Us campaign doesn't really explain why Jesus' love is so radical, but the Bible does. In this is love. Not that we first loved God, but that he loved us. God loved us, and he sent Him his son. He sent God in flesh, the second person of the Trinity, to die for us while we were yet sinning. Wow! That's what makes it so amazing. But the He Gets Us campaign includes none of that, but they persist on this whole love theme. Quote, the goal is that the two commercials, and by the way, if you didn't see the two commercials, it's a bunch of people fighting, and it says that uh, Jesus loves both sides. Both Jesus loves the people you hate. He gets us. The other ad was called Be Childlike. The Be Childlike ad features images of a child holding an umbrella over a cat stuck in the rain, a child wiping away the tears of a man crying on television, and two children of different races running toward one another and hugging each other. After flashing through the images, the message, Jesus didn't want, didn't want us to act like adults. Huh? He, he wants us to act like children? Now I know, have faith of a child. I get that, but he's not suggesting in that we're supposed to be immature. Furthermore, these expressions of love don't even come close to the expression of love that God has presented to us in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Holding an umbrella over a cat stuck in the drain? Okay, that's nice. God in flesh dying on a cross for sinners? That's a little nicer if you ask me. What if, said the spokesperson, we tried to love our enemies the way Jesus loved his? How would it change the tenor of our conflicts and our conversations? What could possibly be louder and more powerful than hate? Love can, but not just any love. Confounding love. Confounding love. Unconditional love. Sacrificial love. The love we see in Jesus. Go, go, strip Jesus of his divinity. I, 
you could make the argument that Mother Teresa did more good because she lived longer. She fed more people through all of her programs. Huh. Got kind of a problem if Jesus isn't God in flesh. The the incarnation alone is beyond anything that Mother Teresa could ever do in a million lifetimes. Love might be in the air, but it ain't a biblical kind of love. And a very helpful article. Thank you very much for this. Whoever you are, Natasha Crane at NatashaCrane.com, citing seven problems with He Gets Us. One, they strip Jesus of his identity of being God. Two, Jesus is an example, but he's not a savior. Number three, the campaign reinforces the problematic idea that Jesus' followers have Jesus all wrong. That's the insinuation. One of the chief architects of the campaign says the team wanted to start a movement of people who want to tell a better story about Jesus and act like him. Now, do we see bad behavior from Christians and poor representations? Yes, yes, we do. But we mark those. We, we point to them and say, avoid, stay away from. Mm, this, this doesn't quite define who the problem is, but I suspect it could be people like you and me who mm, talk about Jesus also being the God of wrath, the God who judges, the God of righteousness. This person states, quote, our goal is to give voice to the pent-up energy of like-minded Jesus followers, those who are in the pews and those who aren't who are ready to reclaim the name of Jesus from those who abuse it to judge, harm, and divide people. Jimmy, do you know who he's talking about there? Me neither, exactly. (laughs) Number four, I have a feeling, number four, the campaign reinforces what culture wants to believe about Jesus while leaving out what culture doesn't want to believe about Jesus. Is it cool that Jesus fed people? Yep. Is it cool that Jesus did miracles? Uh Uh-huh. Interestingly, they don't have any ads about him doing supernatural miracles. Nevertheless, all of those things, yeah, they're, they're amazing. But the mere fact that Jesus Christ took our place to receive the wrath of God on our behalf, is there anything better than that? Why would we shield that? What did Paul preach when he came to any town in, in the Mediterranean? He gets us. Hey, you're dispersed, Jewish person. Jesus gets you. He was dispersed too. No, he preached nothing but Christ and him crucified because that's the best thing there is. That is the message of Christianity. Quote from the article, whereas the campaign is seeking to give people a fresh picture of Jesus, All it really does is reinforce the feel-good image culture already has. He was a good teacher. He was inclusive. He was nice to people. Of course, Jesus welcomed everyone around his table. But he welcomed everyone because everyone needs to hear his message about their need for a Savior. He gets us, presents Jesus' actions that just, this is how we can get along with others. Strangers eating together and becoming friends. What a simple concept, and yet we're pretty sure it would turn our modern world upside down the same way Jesus turned his around 2,000 years ago. So niceness is going to win the day. 
I, you know, that's demonstrably <laughs> not, truth wins the day. Spoken in love, no question about it. But love stripped of truth, love stripped of Jesus, love stripped of the ultimate example and expression of love. It, it won't win. It, seriously. We have been singing songs like this forever. Love is in the air. All you need is love. Uh, just love will love will save the day. Love will find a way. Mm, divorced from Jesus, it don't do much, frankly. Problem number five, the campaign characterizes the so-called culture war in terms of secular social justice rather than underlying worldview differences. In other words, it talks about oppression. Hey, I've heard that word before, haven't you? In the context of CRT, number six, the campaign's stated goal is about inspiration, not a saving knowledge of Jesus. The president of the marketing agency said, quote, ultimately, the goal is inspiration, not recruitment or conversion. Huh, that's interesting. Is this a campaign to get me to go to church, says the website? No, we simply invite all to consider the story of a man who created a radical love movement. Seven, the next steps offered by He Gets Us could lead someone far away from truth rather than toward it. Why? Because the churches that have signed up to allow people to visit them or to respond to people's questions are both Catholic, Protestant, work righteous systems, Protestant denominations that are outside of orthodoxy. That's where they're sending people would love to rejoice with what's going on and a billion dollars being spent, but there's just too many problems to say thumbs up. This is Wretched Radio. This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hicks. As we've previously reported, the Anglican Church has been looking to become LGBTQ-affirming and also have non-binary priests and even a non-binary God. That's true. But Anglican Deacon Calvin Robinson recently had some thoughts for the church. It seems the panel opposite me has forgotten to separate the sin from the sinner. One can denounce sin while still welcoming the sinner. Do not be the wolves in sheep's clothing. Do not be the false teachers the Bible warns us about. Remember your obligation to defend the faith. Stop teaching about diversity, inclusion, and equality, and get back to teaching about redemption and salvation. This is spiritual neglect. Help people by telling them the truth. Amen. Did I say he was an Anglican deacon? Huh. And here's a mother of a two-year-old son who doesn't deserve to be a mother. Here's how it started. So she was uh, designated, assigned, observed male at birth. And until about 18 months, didn't really, you know, know too much, just kind of was raising two kids, working full time, not really paying attention to what was going on. And at around 18 months, started she started showing signs of like really being interested in things that her sister had and had in her closet and wanting to play dress up. She had this one headband she was completely attached to that she felt, I, I look back on it now and think to myself, gosh, I wonder when she put that, that headband on, she thought to herself, people see me for who I am. No one's gonna misgender me now. So it all started with an 18 month old baby who wanted to play with his sister's toys. So it obviously has to mean that he is really a she and uh, he was born wrong. Nothing but neglectful child abuse 
As we've reported quite a bit before, Canada is really progressive when it comes to allowing people to kill themselves. And now, the Canadian Parliament has argued that expansion of the state-sponsored suicide program should be also for kids without age limit and without parental consent if necessary. It's getting really scary in Canada. A Democratic legislator sparked a major backlash earlier in the week when she labeled traditional beliefs about marriage as dangerous and un-American and criticized the idea that children need a mother and a father. Now, it's just biblical and how God designed it. Recently, plans to burn several church buildings in central India came to an end, if you can believe it. Officers actually arrested three Hindu extremists, but not before they set one structure on fire. India is ranked 11th on the Open Doors 2023 World Watch list of countries where it's most difficult to be a Christian. By comparison, in 2013, just 10 years ago, they were ranked 31st. As we tell you so frequently here at Wretched, please make sure you continue praying for all of our persecuted brothers and sisters abroad. More Wretched Radio, straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Important dates in Christian history. 1273. Thomas Aquinas completes work on Summa Theologica, the theological masterpiece of the Middle Ages. Aquinas synthesized faith and reason, incorporating Aristotelian philosophy into his work and provided a theological framework for Catholic doctrine. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Let's hope this is righteous anger. This is Wretched Radio. Received an email sent to idea at wretched.org that I have to confess, it agitates me a wee bit. And I have biblical permission to be angry if, if it's righteous. And I'm hoping this is righteous anger. The contents of the email were from a university student who plays on an athletic team who is being told you're going to be playing in the game. Oh, and it happens to be a Pride Night celebration. What is a young Christian to do was the question. And I have to admit, as I thought about it, it's like, what are they doing to our kids out there? Oh, yeah, we know perfectly well what they're doing. They're trying to break down our worldview. They're trying to get us so used to sin, have us associate so closely with sin, even potentially do things that have, at the very least, the appearance of endorsing sin because they want to advance their progressive worldview. Ooh, and it's happening all over the country. It's not just this young man who sent an email to idea.wretched.org. It's happening everywhere. Question. If you had received that email, what would you advise? Hmm? What would you tell him to do? Well, I took the time to try to ponder it because it's always good to think about what I might do before it actually happens to me. And I have to tell you, most likely it's going to happen to all of us. You will be confronted with this in your job, at your school, the athletic team, the civic group that you're a part of. You will be told you must affirm a sinful worldview or you can't be in or you can't stay employed or you're going to lose your scholarship. What would you do? Let's see if we can sort it. And whilst doing, making sure that we're righteously indignant and not just mad. After receiving this email, I sent a text to a number of theologians, pastors. In fact, I think all of them are pastors. 
And I said, what would you advise this young man? There was some agreement, and I'm going to share this with you, but I also noticed that there were different responses. Some were just very emphatic. No, 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 you don't participate in the pride. That's endorsing sin. There were two of those from theologians, pretty certain you know who they are, who are just like, nope, can't do it. Stand for Jesus. Other people, on the other hand, were like, hey, this could actually be an opportunity for the propagation of the gospel, so he should play. And then there was there was agreement in the, in well, you call it the middle, that makes it sound like you're compromising, but there was general agreement that what he was being asked to participate in made a difference. Are you just playing the game, or do you have to put a rainbow pin on your lapel, or do you have to run out with a flag? If you're participating in the ceremony beyond playing the game, which is what you're there to do, then no. But if you're not being asked to do any of the activities surrounding the pride celebration, then you're free to play the game. And what I noticed from all of these really smart, wise, seasoned pastoral theologians is that it wasn't quite easy. Because, for instance, a buddy of mine said, uh, you know, I think I think that he has he's he has permission to play as long as he's not participating in the other things. And I said, I always find it helpful to replace one sin with another, to replace homosexuality with its rapist night, its murder night, its polygamy night. How would we feel about playing a game when that celebration is going on in the stands and on the screens above the arena? And and, and immediately you go, oh, couldn't do that. Now, there's two things to consider in that response, because it does feel it does feel different. Jimmy, when I say, would you participate in pedophile night? Uh, Yeah, no, no. Yeah. But the pride night thing, we go, well, let's, you know, they're. And I'm just this this was the question my buddy and I were pondering then, because we both had that same kind of guttural reaction to it. Well, of course I wouldn't participate. Well, but when it comes to Pride Night, you know, you could if you're not even <laughs> Question number one, is it possible that you and I are already feeling the effects of the pressure of our progressive culture to conform to their ideology? That we give it this much thought and consideration when something like bestiality night would be like <laughs> But we ponder it and think deeply through it. Is it possible? And believe me, I, I, I'm asking this of myself, too. Is it possible that this incessant drubbing from our culture to give up on our Christian worldview because it's not nice regarding sexuality and gender, even though we don't think it is, that it might be having an effect on all of us already? Number two. It begs, and I don't mean Alistair, it still begs the question, even though I might respond a little bit more viscerally to the idea of a different sin night, it still doesn't answer what I think is the fundamental question in this particular situation. Is playing a game while this celebration is going on around you participating in a sin? Is it giving the appearance that it is endorsing a sin? Because we don't want to be giving hearty approval, Romans 1, to a sinful lifestyle. Does this do that 
Well, when I sent a text to people, good theologians all, it, we, we were back and forth. Well, on the one hand, well, on the other hand, well, on this. And, and it's just, it just, like I said, some were like, this is it. I would have to say, though, the majority was probably 10 or 12 guys that I'm texting with. I had a productive night last night. Yeah, this is this is a little bit tricky. If we learn nothing else from this conundrum, maybe you're one of the people who had like, oh, it's boom, it's this play. On the other hand, you're like, not a chance. But I feel both of those. I I really do, and I really dislike being in this limbo land. It is just it just cuts against my nature. But when I'm talking to guys that I love and respect, and these are smart dudes going, well, we need to consider this first. Uh, you know, for instance, you need to consider, is he on a scholarship and he committed to playing the games because he wants to let his yes be yes and his no be no? Great point. But it, you don't want to let your yes be yes if you're participating in sin. So it brings you back to the fundamental question, which I think is the fundamental question in this instance. Is it a sin to participate in an activity, a sporting event? That is a pride celebration. Jimmy, where yeah. do you stand on the subject? Personally, where do I stand? Yes, sir. I don't participate. Just that clear? Well, I mean, I think so. Okay. I, think so. I mean, there's a lot of things to consider, but I think in the end, I mean, I, I look at it from the other side, too. I mean, would culture, would the school make um, others participate if? In, oh, I know. In traditional marriage night. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, but you know what? I totally, I, I get that. I agree totally with that. Of course they wouldn't. Right. Which only just, all you did was just took a bellows and you just started to stoke the flame of agitation that I'm feeling. They know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. they, they, they know what this is all about. So you would advise the young man, just don't do it. I, I think so. All yes. right. And if, if. Somebody responded. We're just tussling through this a little bit. If somebody responded and said, I'm just playing a game. I'm not participating. I'm not putting a symbol. I'm not singing a song to celebrate it. Um, in fact, while others are doing activities, a part of it, I'm not. What would you say to that? To uh, Look, you could be totally right on this not to play it. But the con just kind of the complexity of this, it's causing you to stammer. It's like, well, so as we're sorting this out, if nothing else, I think I think one takeaway from this is let's be patient with one another. OK, let's be patient as we sort through this and try to figure this out. There's so many arguments about this. Hey, when are we going to take a stand for righteousness? True. Couple of couple of the guys were like, they, "Look, if somebody doesn't start stopping, this thing ain't going to stop. It's going to take a lawsuit for this type of thing." Yep, you're right. On the other hand, you would say to somebody, "Are you prepared to count the cost? Do you know what this is going to? You've got children to support." <laughs> In other words, whilst we can agree, this is at the very least, it is a conscience issue. There's no question about it. It's a con at the very base of this. If it's a sin, you can't do it. If you are like, I feel like I'm endorsing sin, then you absolutely can't do it and violate your conscience. We agree on that. 
But if my texting has any reflection of the positions that people are going to possibly take in your church, all I am calling for is that as we make our way through this, we do it in a charitable fashion because um, you and I really, we don't know for sure what we would do until we're actually in it and we are going to be in it. This is Wretched Radio. Just because Roe v. Wade is overturned, that does not mean the battle for life is over. Would you please consider supporting Reborn Ministries, providing ultrasounds that genuinely save lives? That ultrasound changed everything for me. It really did. That made it all worthwhile to know that I was going to have a little blessing. And when she got here, it was just, oh my gosh. <laughs> Another woman who chooses life because she saw an ultrasound. Her life, and obviously her baby's life, changed. When I heard her heartbeat, I decided to keep her. And now my daughter's about to be three. I don't know where my life would be without her. The war for life continues to rage. Would you please engage in the battle and support preborn centers at preborn.org slash wretched. Preborn.org slash wretched. Thank you for listening to Wretched Radio today. I'm not quite sure if you've jumped on the Road Trip to Truth Season 3 just yet, but if you haven't, let me tell you, this is an excellent resource, not only for you and your kids, but also for your church's youth group and even adult classes. Road Trip to Truth Season 3 tackles issues like aliens, masculinity, femininity, and a lot of other topics. 13 episodes worth with experts like Dr. Paul Twist, Dr. Jason Lyle, Tom Hammond, Alan Parr, and others. Check it out right now in the Wretched store at wretched.org. And while you're there, check out our donate page and read up on becoming a Wretched Gospel Partner because resources like Road Trip to Truth are not possible without the generosity of our gospel partners. And right now through the end of the year is the absolute best time for you to become a Wretched Gospel Partner because every dollar you're able to donate will be matched through the end of the year. All the details and information available right now at wretched.org slash donate. Wretched, amazing grace, amazing gospel. So there you are on your Googler machine trying to find a restaurant. What do you look for? Ratings and reviews. If it gets lots of stars, positive reviews, chances are pretty good you're going to go there. Question, would you be inclined to go to a restaurant that had a 98% approval rating and rave reviews? I suspect you would. MetaShare. Affordable Biblical Health Sharing has a 98% approval rating. 400,000 members strong sharing one another's health care bills, saving billions of dollars over the years, saving families on average $500 a month. And 98% of the members of MediShare give it a hearty thumbs up. I encourage you to call them and see if MediShare is right for you and your family. 1-844-34-BIBLE. 1-844-34-BIBLE for MediShare. Books of the Bible Amos was a shepherd called to prophesy during a time of prosperity in Israel and Judah. But this prosperity was accompanied by idolatry, extravagance, and corruption. When you consider the society you live in, 
Amos declares that God judges societies by his standard of righteousness. He hates all corruption and injustice. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. The the reason for the stammering might not be what it appears to have been. This is Wretched Radio. Jimmy, you said that your hesitation on answering the question is participating in an athletic event that is a celebration of pride. Sinful, you were kind of, yeah, but it wasn't because you didn't have a position on it. Right, correct. What did you want to say? Well, I wanted to share the verse, uh, James 4, 17. I couldn't think of the address, but uh, therefore, to one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. Yeah. And so I don't think this is necessarily a Romans 14 issue. All right. Uh, well, a conscience issue. But the, but really, though, you have to. This is why the fundamental question, it just kept coming back to this, because as I was texting with a bunch of pastoral theologians asking, what would you advise a young person who's a Christian who plays on the university athletic team and has to play on Pride Night? What What would you advise? And wow, it was like lots of questions were involved in this. And it kept coming back to that one, Jimmy. Is it, do we know it's sin to play the game when others around us are celebrating pride? Because it's the university, they're using these students to promote their worldview. But is the student simply by playing the game, which they're expected to play, and everybody knows they're on the athletic team, is that automatically saying, I affirm what's being celebrated in the stands? I, All right, let me share with you some of some of the texts that I received. This is, again, a theologian. I'm assuming he's a Christian, hence the conundrum. Some questions. What does pride celebration consist of? Special uniform? Ceremony? So this is another... Almost everybody was asking these questions. Well, what are they asking this guy to do as opposed to just play the game? At what level is he asked to participate? Is he able to opt out of wearing a uniform, a patch, sit out of any pregame, postgame, quote, ceremonies, obey his conscience always, get ready to get blasted for even having a conundrum over this issue, be prepared for retribution, loss of star status, scholarship, in other words, count the cost. These are just some of my thoughts and considerations. Okay, so there's more to it than perhaps just an immediate knee-jerk response. And I think my answer right now, I'm right, but it could change tomorrow. <laughs> because, I mean, it's, it is, there's a lot to consider. All right, this, this is another. This is, these, are, these are not guys who are just bellicose. Take it to the man and... We, we, we've got we've to show them that Christianity is still the cultural leader. No, here's one pastor. I assume the person is a born-again believer. I would say read and pray fervently through Ephesians 6, 10 through 20, and 1 John 3, 1 through 3. <laughs> Isn't that? I love that. First response, what Bible verses should I be thinking about here? That's what I want to tell this young person. Remind them to be strong in the Lord. And in the strength of his might, this is a spiritual battle. Strap on the armor with the buckles of prayer. Know the saints are praying and speak boldly the gospel as an ambassador of Christ. Remind them they're a child of God. The world won't understand you. 
By participating, you will never get the gospel opportunity as you would by standing strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Greater is he that is in you. Now, interestingly, another pastor said, because this particular position is, it sounds like, I hope I'm not misrepresenting him, sounds like you you can't do it. Stand firm, proclaim the gospel. Another pastor said, by actually participating, playing well, not not participating in their ceremonies, but just being a great Christian athlete, that is a testimony for the gospel. Okay, now, seriously, these are two godly pastors, and they see not participating as a gospel proclamation and participating as a gospel proclamation. A point in all of this, and it's probably worth repeating, is We're going to have different people on different sides of the subject. Here's one for you. This is is pretty straightforward, I think. Seek legal counsel. Someone is ultimately going to have to sue to stop these obligatory displays of fealty obeisance to an immoral agenda. The idea that a school would require team members to declare support for an immoral lifestyle is clearly a violation of free speech and freedom of conscience. He'll no doubt get kicked off the team. He needs to consider the cost. Okie dokie. True. I, yes, he's, it's going to take lawsuits. It's going to take universities having to be shut down, hopefully by judges who have an ounce of common sense. You got to stop doing this to these kids. That's why I got to tell you, this really, really agitates me. This was from another theologian. If the player is planning for professional sports, this is par for the course. If it were I, I wouldn't play. But I wouldn't blame him for choosing to do so. Oh, come on! Now, I'm not, I'm not bringing this up because I don't want to have a, a position and I don't want to equivocate. I would cheer somebody if they sat out and went, I can't do it. Remember what was the, what was the, the, the guy who was an Eastern Orthodox hockey player, the Rangers, they were, he was supposed to wear a Jersey and he said, can't do it. Yeah, that's right. And wow, did he get affirmed for that? And he also got jeered for that. Didn't he? Okay. I, if you do now, would I, say that was sin to participate in the game. I I think we need to be really, really careful of that. Here's another pastor. Lovingly explain his convictions to the coach and why he's not going to take part in it. Perhaps it could be a gospel presentation, but I would advise him not to take part in that. And then this comment, it's so sad that Christian athletes are being put in these kinds of positions, but these are the times when our faith is put to the test. If nothing else, we could be asking the question, am I ready to pay the price? Because if you put yourself in this young athlete's tennis shoes, it, you, you'd think, oh, man, I could get kicked out of school. I've been going here for, I'm ready to graduate. And now if this happens and the pros, they're scouting me, if that's what's going, I could lose it all. I think we need to start asking that question. Am I willing to? Am I willing to lose it all for the sake of the gospel? It brings us to really ask a question that I think our changed culture is forcing us to consider. Will I be one 
who capitulates? I don't want to be foolish, but will I be courageous? If the screws start getting tightened on my life, will I give in? Here's a headline. Christian teacher loses job after refusing to deceive parents on kids' gender transitions. So the school, according to this teacher, said, oh, no, if anybody indicates to you that they're confused about their gender, you cannot tell their parents. And this Christian is going, here's what the letter said to her. The district cannot accommodate your religious beliefs. Boeing that prohibits you from maintaining a student's gender identity and refraining from disclosing a student's gender identity from his, her, their parents slash guardians. Wow. So much for tolerance. We can't tell. Who do these teachers think they are? We, we know what's best for this child, not their puritanical parents. The teacher said this, quote, I essentially had to pick. Am I going to obey the district in the directive that are not lining up with my own beliefs, convictions, and faith? Or am I going to stay true, choose my faith, choose to be obedient to the way the Lord has called me to live? Let's say you're working through this because you're being forced to work through this. It's a tipped ball at the moment. Which way should the Christian tip? If there's confusion about this, Jimmy, I think that I would have to return to your James 4, 17 verse. Yes. I, 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 I'm, if, if I'm not certain about it, I'm going to have to tip to the side of, I just can't be participating in anything that appears to be an endorsement of sin. I just can't do it. And, and I can't, I know it's, it's not a specific verse, but I think that it's an applicable verse. Romans 1, I don't want to appear to be giving a hearty endorsement to sin. And I, I think this could do it. I think the tip ball for us, if, you're, if you do not have a compelling argument and reason to say, nope, it's not sin. I think we, I think we got to tip the ball toward, can't do this. I just can't play these reindeer games. I, I, I just, I'm going to have to be ready to pay the price. Now, Standing in this air-conditioned room that I'm in right now, with four walls protecting me from any sort of soldiers kicking down the door, although they could <laughs> if they wanted to, it's easy to say, Christian, let's start working through this. Let's do it charitably. Let's do it amicably, lovingly. But let's do it as faithfully as we can, because I'm telling you, tick, tick, tick. The time bomb has been set, and it is going to go off in your household and in your church. What will you do? What a cheery program, Friel. Until tomorrow, go serve your king. <laughs>